You are listening to audio from Liberty Church in the Harrisburg Camp Hill area of Pennsylvania. For more information, please visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org. That's Liberty with an I, Harrisburg.org. But we are, uh, we are wrapping up this morning our Christ of the Carols Advent series. And fittingly, since we don't always get to gather to worship on Christmas Day, we're going to look at the carol, I Heard the Bells, on Christmas Day. I think it fits well with, with today. Uh, there is a remarkable story behind this Christmas carol. Uh, in fact, Sight and Sound Theater, many of you know it in Lancaster County, Sight and Sound Theater uh, just made its first ever movie, its first ever film, and it's based on the backstory of this Christmas carol. Uh, the movie is called I Heard the Bells. Uh, it was only in theaters for, for a couple days earlier this month, but uh, whenever it is streaming or otherwise available, I just would encourage you to, to do a deep dive in the backstory of, of this carol. For this morning, uh, here's the short version. Here's the short version. In 1861, Frances, or Fanny as she was known, Frances Longfellow, the wife of the famous American poet Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, Uh, She tragically died when her dress, of all things, uh, caught on fire in their home. And Henry Longfellow was there that day. And in attempting to put out this fire, he was so severely burned, he was not able to attend his, his wife's funeral that week. Two years later, 1863, uh, their oldest son, Charles, was now fighting for the Union Army during the Civil War. And he was shot through the left shoulder and nearly paralyzed. And Henry uh, received that news of of his son's near paralysis uh, in early December. So a few weeks later then, Christmas Day, 1863, this now 57-year-old widower, father of six, including a nearly paralyzed son, heard the, the ringing bells of the churches of Cambridge, Massachusetts. And it overwhelmed him with this incredible sense of dissonance, of of conflict and contradiction. Namely, if Jesus came to bring peace, if Jesus came into this world to bring good, to bring goodwill, why is so much not peaceful? Where is the good? And with what Longfellow had been through those two years prior, we can certainly imagine why he felt that way. Perhaps this morning, this Christmas, you feel something of that same dissonance. Some of us have have lost someone really meaningful to us this year. Some of us have suffered immensely this year. What are we to do with our dissonance? What Henry Longfellow did, poet that he was, was to pour his heart out on paper. And the world ended up with what, what I believe is one of the most honest and faith-filled Christmas carols ever known. So let me read the lyrics for us this morning. You can follow along with them on the insert that came there in your, in your bulletin. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. I thought how as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. 
And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to men. Till ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day. A voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. I don't know if if Henry Longfellow had Psalm 42 in mind when he wrote this carol, but I think it's safe to say that, that this was a Psalm 42 experience for Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. In Psalm 42, the the psalmist is overwhelmed with this sense that that God has forgotten him. He's overwhelmed with the mockery of his enemies. And in the midst of that, he pours out his heart to God. So I'm just going to read the final few verses of this psalm for us this morning. I invite you now to listen with open ears to this book that we love. Psalm 42, verses 8 through 11. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Verse 11, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. This is God's word. So here's the the big idea with just a little bit of time we have this morning. The big idea and the connection between Psalm 42 and this Christmas carol. We need constant reminders of the true story of the world. We need constant reminders of the true story of the world. And Christmas combats lies with truth and despair with hope. So Christmas combats lies with truth. Satan is a liar, the father of lies. And so when we experience pain, when we suffer, Satan loves to lie about the nature and character of God. As we are grasping for faith in the midst of our dissonance, in the midst of this sense of conflict that we have, he loves to taunt and to mock us. For the psalmist, this, the lies came through human adversaries. They came through enemies. Where is your God? They mocked. If, if God was powerful, if he was present with you, you wouldn't be in this situation. For Henry Longfellow, it's, it's similar. Satan is leveraging circumstances in his life to lie. What peace or goodwill could there possibly be If your wife died the way she did, if your son is nearly paralyzed the way he is, God must be dead. God must be asleep on the job. In moments like these, we have to combat the lies with truth. We have to combat the lies with the true story of the world. How? How do we do that? By talking to ourselves more than we listen to ourselves. Commenting on this very psalm, Psalm 42, Martin Lloyd-Jones put it this way. He said, most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself 
instead of talking to yourself. Notice that this is the, the opposite of conventional wisdom, is it not? It's the opposite of conventional wisdom. Our culture would say, listen to your heart. But the psalmist and Longfellow in turn would say, no, 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 that's actually completely backward. It's the opposite of that. Talk to your heart. Preach to your heart. Proclaim the truth to your heart, to your soul. Oh heart, oh soul, hope in God. He's been faithful, the psalmist saying here. He's been good. I will again praise him. And on top of that, I have nowhere else to go. He's the one who's my salvation. He's my God. This is also the progression of, of Longfellow's carol. The third stanza are the lies. The fourth stanza is the truth. And he is proclaiming to his own heart in that moment, God is not dead, nor is he sleeping. The wrong will fail. The right will prevail. You're noticing here that in both the psalm and this Christmas carol, each writer is combating lies with the truth. Christmas also combats despair with hope. With hope. Despair is honest. It's real. In fact, in in the brokenness of this world, if we are never despairing, if we're never in low moments of despair, it's because we aren't paying attention. Because we're pretending to live in some kind of alternate reality. But what do we do with our despair? What, what can we do with it? Is honesty about it? Is, is wallowing in it as good as it gets for us? A couple of verses earlier in this psalm, the psalmist writes, My soul is cast down within me. And Henry Longfellow likewise at the beginning of this third stanza writes, And in despair I bowed my head. And their despair is justified. Their despair is understandable. But despair for neither of these men, despair is not their finish line. It's not where they stop. Hope in God. There is hope in their despair. The psalmist knows that God will accomplish his purposes. That God is not going to abandon his people to the brokenness and to the corruption of the world. He's not going to finish the story with their pain and suffering. He knows, because he writes it in another psalm, that God is the one who collects every single one of our tears in his bottle. And that one day he is the one who wipes all of those tears away. And Henry Longfellow, friends, and we, you and I this morning, have that much more reason for hope in our despair. Because about a millennia after the psalmist penned these words, Jesus Christ took on flesh and came into the world. As the author of Hebrews puts it, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise took part, partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. See, men and women, Christmas combats the lies with truth. Jesus' incarnation combats the lie that God is dead or that God is sleeping. Christmas says, no, he's not. He is with us. He came into this world to be with us. He came into this world to deliver us. And Christmas combats the despair with hope. When we despair, we can look at each other and say, you know what? You're right. You're right. Things are not the way they're meant to be. Hate is strong. 
And it does mock us. It does taunt us. But then we can complete the refrain, just as Jesus came once into this world to accomplish our salvation, he will come again to make all things new. And the wrong will fail when he comes. And the right, the the eternal perfect kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the right will prevail. So hope in God. Around the year 400, Christian churches began using bells to proclaim important events. Bells would uh, signal the start of a worship service or the beginning of a time of prayer. Bells would announce important community happenings, a wedding, a funeral, the end of a war. But one of the main uses for church bells was simply to provide a regular reminder of God's presence in the world, of God's presence with his people. And we need that, do we not? We need that. We need constant reminders of the true story of the world. And so ringing church bells on any day, but certainly on Christmas in particular, ringing church bells combat lies with truth and they combat despair with hope. Now, unfortunately, as most of you know, this, this former dairy building does not really allow, it's not really conducive for, for church bells. What it does allow for, what any space where Jesus' people, Jesus' delivered people gather allows for, is actually an even more tangible, powerful reminder of God's presence with us. Jesus himself has given us this table, the Lord's Supper. And so it's not a coincidence at all that in some traditions, that's when the church bells would ring. They would ring not at even the start of the worship service, but they would ring just before communion, the Lord's table was celebrated. And so today, for just the second time in the 11 or so year history of of Liberty Church, we get to celebrate communion together on Christmas Day. And my prayer for you this week is that, that, that this table this morning would be for you and would do for you what those ringing bells in Cambridge, Massachusetts did for Henry Longfellow 159 years ago. Let this table remind you, friends, that Jesus Christ truly has come into the world. Let this table deepen your longing. Jesus will come again. We will feast with him at his table forever. Men and women, in the face of your despair, in the face of your pain, in your sense of dissonance, Let this table be your proclamation. Let this be the moment that you stop listening to Satan's lies. Let this be the moment that you stop listening to yourself and start talking to yourself instead. At this table, on this Christmas morning, preach to your heart. Proclaim to your heart, God is not dead, nor does he sleep. Proclaim to your soul, O soul, hope in God. For when Jesus comes again in glory, the wrong will fail. The right will prevail. There will be peace on earth and goodwill to men. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, we prepare now to proclaim this morning that the darkness of our despair, of our doubt, that the darkness of sin itself cannot overcome the light of Jesus the light who is the life-giving light of the world. 
And so by the power of your Holy Spirit, we ask that you would open our eyes this morning once again. Awaken us now to the hearing and the proclaiming of this radiant truth. And we pray all of this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Liberty Church. To learn more about our church or to listen to previous recordings, visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org.